the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 20th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same, and about five o'clock he went out, and he found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give it to those last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Never had that introduction before. <laughs> well, our gospel continues to kind of hammer away here. The disciples ask, who is the greatest? And Jesus puts a child in their midst. Peter wonders if he should forgive as many as seven times. And Jesus tells a story of one who forgives an insanely large debt over a billion dollars. Children come on the scene again in the chapter that comes after last week's gospel. We skip a, a chapter here. They come on the scene and the adults cut them off. Jesus is busy. We're adulting over here. And Jesus takes the adults and parts the sea and allows the children to come in. Not only allows them, invites them and blesses them and speaks to them. A rich man comes in the same chapter and he wonders as marvelous as he is, if there is something else that he should do to get God on his side, to get closer, to climb the ladder. And Jesus exposes his blind spot of affluenza. And right after our story today, James and John's mommy asks Jesus to make them most important in his kingdom, please. And Jesus tries in vain to show them, her and them, 
that his throne, his kingdom, is the way of the cross. I'm beginning to think they aren't getting it. What about you? And I wonder, too, are we getting it? After all of this, again and again, Matthew spends a lot of time. Matthew spends pretty much his whole gospel on this big question. What wins? Human judgment or God's righteousness? Our unrighteous, fickle judgment or God's righteous, abundant judgment, righteousness? Because there seems to be these there seem to be these lingering questions, these spiritual questions the gospel and throughout these passages about worth, about goodness and generosity, about righteousness, the in-group and the out-group, and how do I get part of the in-group? There are even questions, kind of these bigger questions about salvation. And Jesus does kind of things here by bringing it all down to earth. And he does that again and again by telling these parables, these stories that people can laugh at. Really? A landowner loaned a billion dollars to a slave and now he's going to pay it back? They're ridiculous stories sometimes. Sometimes they're just very down-to-earth stories like our story for today, although it has a ridiculous part, I guess, as well. And on the one hand, we can look at this story from this very earthy, this very kind of practical place, from this angle of economic justice. How does God see the world and the economy in which we live And in doing so, we can take a look, maybe, at these workers before us today. Why are the ones that aren't hired till later, why are they waiting around all day? Did they show up late? Are they lazy? Did they get a half-day work somewhere else, and now they're back on the market kind of a thing, getting a half a day's wage, maybe, or an hour's wage? If they weren't there all day, if they showed up late, is there something wrong with them? Why weren't they there before? Why weren't they the early bird getting the worm, so to speak? And if they were there all day, were they less desirable for some reason? We might have a lot of questions that kind of come around with uh, these particular workers as we focus on them. But this story ultimately can be seen as very practical, very much down to earth, very much dollars and cents. When it comes to tangible things, we find that this unusual landowner is merciful, but not fair, at least not by our standards. And, um, and, and he gets kind of mixed up in giving these daily wages. It isn't fair to the one who got a whole day's wage for one hour of work. But you know what's interesting? It doesn't seem like they're complaining, does it? We don't hear from any of the workers except the ones who worked the entire day. The ones who unfairly got more than they deserved are happy to skip away. When I was in, um, I was looking for a pair of shorts recently. It's a very interesting story. It's a short story, not a story. <laughs> That's bad. I went down to Sierra Trading Post and I thought, they're going to have a clearance rack on shorts. I need another pair of blue shorts. Mine are starting to be like a dandelion. They're starting to blow away. There's not any material left. That's kind of when I buy new clothes. So I go in there, I go to the clearance rack, and I find a pair of shorts and try them on, and they're fine, and they're the only ones really that are going to work. So I take them, but they don't have a tag on them. But they're in the clearance section. So I go to the register, and I said, 
ma'am, these were in the clearance section. They say they're $40, but everything there was between $7 and $10. So I don't, I don't know what they're supposed to be. I didn't take the tag off, but it's not there. And so she calculated for a while, and she's trying to figure it out. And finally, she gets this smirk on her face, and she goes, well, you're about to see what they really cost. Can you not? The bill came to 11 cents. 10 cents for the shorts, one penny in tax. I kid you not. I didn't complain a bit. I ran out of that store. I put the shorts on the next day, and I was parading around. I was like, hey, guys, check out my shorts. Guess how much I paid for them, right? Sure, that's what the workers for an hour are doing, the workers for three hours or five hours or whatever it might be. They're off with their denarius, happy to have it. And I wonder from that question, from that down-to-earth question about um, dollars and cents for them, what it must be like. Whether they were lazy or whether they were left behind or whether they were less desirable, it really doesn't matter. But to walk home that day, having probably not worked and not expected to have a daily day's wage, expecting not to have enough to feed their families for the day, they walk home with enough. They walk home with a day's wage. I remember a quote, I don't remember where it came from, but I remember a quote that said, enough for today and no debt for tomorrow is the eternal cry of the poor. To be given this, their daily bread, as we pray for in, our, in the Lord's Prayer. To be given their daily bread when that was a real concern must have been something else for those who received it abundantly. Now we can look at this question also from that spiritual side or more of that spiritual angle. And I'll be kind of a broken record on this question that I sometimes get about this kind of the deathbed confession, if you will. When we want to address these kind of score-keeping questions that keep coming up in our gospel again and again about goodness and righteousness and even salvation. And maybe here the Jonah story can kind of creep in because Nineveh was really an awful place. We, we can kind of get it from that angle with Jonah and thinking about those folks in Nineveh and just how terrible they were. Other prophets talk about the city of Nineveh too. It was a real place and it was the worst from a moral standpoint. So maybe we can kind of pull that into this as well. But it makes me think of this spiritual fairness statement that goes something like, it isn't fair that someone can do what they want and at the last minute confess Jesus and go to heaven. Ever said that? Ever heard that? Now there's a whole lot kind of wrong with that statement. But let's just address the spiritual fairness because my response is this, as I've thought about it. You're right. It isn't fair. It isn't fair they didn't get what you got their whole lives. It isn't fair that they didn't have the assurance and presence and hope that you have always had. It isn't fair that in their struggles they could only hold on to the things in life that don't have any meaning when life is hard. It isn't fair that they didn't get what you got your whole life until the very end of theirs. Usually people say, I don't like your answer, right? But there's kind of a big question in this parable for us. Are we following Jesus because we have to? Or are we following Jesus because we get to? Is this an obligation? Or is this a privilege? I go back to those first workers and I wonder, weren't they thankful that they were hired originally at the beginning of the day? 
Weren't they relieved standing in that pool that, that, that was being drawn from, probably by that landowner and others, that they actually got to have work that day? What happened then? You see, if we turned this parable around, what would it look like, I wonder? What if Jesus told the parable in this way? A wealthy woman rented a bus early in the morning on a very hot day. And she drove the bus around the neighborhoods and she saw children out on the streets trying to keep cool, laying around. And she invited them to come on to the bus. And she took them to the water park that was just about to open and dropped them off and paid for their tickets. Okay, I gotta pause here. And they had permission slips, verbal and written. Um, she was fingerprinted by the FBI. There was a one to five chaperone rate for all of you freaking out right now, okay. Everybody's dietary needs were taken care of, all that kind of stuff, okay. And dropped them off and went back into the neighborhood. And I know you know where this is going. And then a couple hours after the water park had opened up, she dropped off another load of kids. And then she went out again, and a few hours after it had opened, she dropped off another load of kids. And there was only about an hour left for the water park to be open, but she finally made her last run and dropped those kids off as well. Now who is it fair for? Kind of turns it around, doesn't it, when we see following Jesus as a privilege now, I know following Jesus isn't always a water slide on a hot day. But the mercy of God is consistent, and it is abundant, and it is refreshing, and it is life-giving. And in the scarcity world that we have convinced ourselves we live in, where there is not enough, so i got to get some, and if they get some, then I don't get as much. We have created a place where even God's mercy is seen as a limited resource, one we must get less of if someone less worthy gets more of it, or just as much. But God exists in the economy of abundance where mercy begets mercy. It multiplies. Like love, the more that is given, the more there actually is to give. So do you want to complain about how God is, about who God is? Fine, go ahead. The person of Jonah represents the scorekeepers of his day. The people have returned from exile and they want to purify the nation. Divorce your foreign wives. Get rid of the outsiders. Protect the ones who belong. But guess what? As a representative of that, as whiny and disobedient as Jonah is, and I might very well be the same as him to be fair, God doesn't let him drown. God doesn't let him die, even when he asks to, twice. Even Jonah, who would literally rather end his life than live in a world with God's radical mercy. He still gets life from God. Even the grumpy, side-eyeing workers get their denarius. You see, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. Ultimately, God's unfair mercy will be poured out even to a scorekeeper like me. Not by our standards, not by our rules, not by our scorekeeping or codes of holiness, but by God's alone. And I can assure you, if I can assure you of nothing else today, that is exceptionally good news for all of us. Thanks be to God for such mercy. Amen.
Living in trust and hope, let us confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray now for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus, for all everywhere according to their needs. Lord God, we come to this place full of our own self-righteousness, our own sense of how things should be, our own sense of scorekeeping. And most often in our own minds, we are the winners. Submit our hearts instead to your will that we might share your reckless love with the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord Jesus, we pray for your presence and healing in our world. We continue to lift up those recovering from earthquakes in Morocco. We pray for many who are mourning in Derna, Libya, as the city was decimated by terrible flooding. And we lift up so many in the region neglected by corrupt and negligent leaders. We pray for those on the East Coast in the midst of tropical storm Ophelia, especially those without proper housing. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Holy Spirit, breathe into us your grace and give us perspective and peace in our community in our world, and in our families. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Loving God, we lift up many in our midst in need of your care. We pray for Sonny Canlian as he anticipates valve replacement. We give thanks that he can now be home, and we anticipate that surgery. We pray for Tom Taft and for Stephanie as Tom is hospitalized and continues uh, to be here locally. We pray for Joanne Wales, diagnosed with a heart condition. For Clara Barr with continued heart issues, for Randy Randolph as he awaits results, and for Dave Ryan recovering from brain surgery. We also lift up this day the Jenny Day family. We pray for her stepmom diagnosed with leukemia, for her, dad, for her father recovering uh, from a broken pelvis, and we pray for Adeline Day, our ninth grade, one of our youth and her daughter, who uh, had an injury in a volleyball tournament yesterday and will be out for the season. We pray that you would hold their family as they uh, recover from many things. We pray for those recovering from surgery and illness, from John Daly, Ace Edwards, Tom Hawks, Mike Riffner, Dave Ryan, and Joanne Wales. For many in our community who are facing cancer, for those who are deployed and for their families here at home, for others who we now pray for. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in the mercy and love that you have poured out abundantly through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. And also with you. Please share that peace with one another. Hey, Pastor, peace.
<laughs> there it is. Need that. You got to have it. <laughs>